This is an exciting season in the life of our church. Over the past five years, Grace Life has grown by an average of 33% each year. Because of that, we are at a pivotal point. This is a six-part series about the spiritual journey God is taking us on as a church family to discover what He wants to do in us and through us so we can reach our world. kicking off a new series today that's going to last for the next five weeks called Reach Our World. Did you notice all the change in colors, shirts, orange and everything? So orange is the theme color for our series. Just curious here in Columbia, are you going to be able to handle this? There's always an opportunity for spiritual growth, you know, we just do whatever we can there. Anyway, during this series, what we're going to be doing is talking about how God wants to use each one of us to actually make a difference in the world, how he wants us to have an impact in the world that's around us and especially the lives of the people who are around us. And so we're going to be talking about this individually, but while we're talking about this individually, we're also going to talk at the same time about what God wants to do with us as a group, as a church family. And I believe God's got some exciting things for how we're going to be able to reach our world better and so over the course of this series, we're going to be unveiling to you the plans for us to build our first permanent home. Anybody excited about that one? Yeah. So I can't wait to share all that with you. But right now, I'm going to begin with a very simple idea, and that is that we need to be able to see God's vision. Everything begins with God's vision if you want to have impact. Here's the truth. Any life, any family, any church that has an impact and is meaningful, has a very clear understanding of God's vision for them. And so I think we should always ask the question before we go any further, really, which is what is vision? If we're going to talk about this, I want you to have a simple definition you can walk away with. Vision is a clear picture of a preferred future. It is simply knowing and seeing in your head something that you don't see in the world yet of where do you want to be? Who do you want to be? What do you want to see happen? What does the future actually look like? You see, we, we all start with dreams, like I'm a kid who likes to play basketball in the cul-de-sac, so I want to be in the NBA. Well, a dream isn't necessarily a vision. And while lots of people have dreams, few people actually have a clear vision for their lives. Uh, I, I know for my own self, my vision started to unfold over time, and it does for everybody, where you'll have certain influences, experiences, or people who come along the way and and God begins to speak different things. And so I think for me, the first point of starting to discover any vision for my life was when I joined Boy Scouts. I did that. And uh, I was 10 and a half. And I remember because you had to be 10 and a half to join. And, and there was this new Boy Scout troop that had just started. And they got all these guys who were like 10 and a half or 11 year old to go and, and be in this Boy Scout troop. And, and if up to then at 10 years old, I can tell you, I don't think I knew a clue of what I wanted to do with my life. Actually, that's not true. I knew two things I wanted my life to do. Number one was to be rich, and number two was to get out of South Carolina. That's God's sense of humor. Oh, well, we'll make you a pastor in the heart of South Carolina. See if we can deal with those dreams and maybe give you a vision. And God began to give me a vision. And at this point, it was this man who was our scoutmaster. Uh, he wasn't married, didn't have any kids. He was focused only on uh, the kids that were there, and, and he wanted to take what he knew in his life and share it with others and actually impact their life. He was a great leader, and he wanted to help people become great leaders and to be intentional. As I look back on his life, he became one of the biggest influences over my life for at least a five- or six-year period and, until I wasn't in Boy Scouts anymore. 
And, and I could tell you stories all day long of just the little tiny things he did that made a difference in who I became. You know, all 10-year-old boys, uh, they have a messy room. They don't know where anything is because they're 10-year-old boys, right? That's how that works. And I remember the first camping trip we went on. We got there late on a Friday night because you had to wait on people to get out of school and get where you were headed. And so by the time we got there, it was dark. And he said, all right, get your flashlights out. And fortunately, it was dark, so you couldn't see this happen because it was embarrassing. But every one of us as kids just started jerking everything out of our, our backpack, throwing everything. I know my mom put it in here somewhere, you know, because your mom packed your backpack, right? At least when you were 10. And he just reached over without even looking, reached into a pocket, pulled out a flashlight. Dude, how'd you do that? Well, because flashlights always go in that pocket. And matches always go in that pocket. And you don't put them where anything liquid is because they're matches. And, and just, wow, that's like smart. <laughs> Everything he did was so intentional and he was such a great leader, I started saying, you know what? That's what I want to do with my life. I want to be a leader who makes a difference in the lives of people. And I knew that immediately. I was only like 10 and a half, 11 years old. And he helped me become a leader. Didn't even realize what was going on. And at that point, though, I wasn't a believer. I did go to church, but I hadn't committed my life to Christ. So I didn't really understand how I was going to help people. But I knew that I wanted to give my life helping people figure out what God was doing. And so, you see, when you see that desired picture of your future in front of you, you will fight to make it happen. As soon as you begin to get that and God begins to reveal to you, you'll start to do whatever it takes to make it happen. Have you ever seen the TV show Bridezillas? Okay, you know the difference between a bride and a bridezilla? A bride just wants to get married. And she doesn't really care how. All she knows is she wants that sweet little boy to become her husband and she's just happy that it's going to happen. Okay? But a bridezilla, on the other hand, is someone who has vision. And she's had vision for at least a decade of what this day is going to look like. She doesn't even care who is beside her on that day. That's not nearly as important as that the day go perfectly. And I've done a few weddings. I've had a lot of brides. I've had a couple of bridezillas. And I'm going to tell you, you don't want to get in the way of somebody with vision. Or, or think about a mom having her first child. She gets a vision of how the nursery needs to look and everything needs to be. By the fourth kid, you're just like, oh, who cares if the room's blue and it's a girl? Nobody, <laughs> I mean, anyway, nobody cares. But the first kid, the vision. And, and look, if you've ever tried to get in the way of the vision of someone who is hormonal and nesting and pregnant, you're a fool. <laughs> Let me help you out, guys. Just paint the room mint green if she says it. I don't care that it looks like toothpaste, and she will tell you to paint it later again, but just don't get in the way of the vision. You see, when God gives you a vision, you make preparations for it. You begin to plan. You begin to strategize. You will actually make different decisions. You won't do things the way that you used to do them because now you see somewhere that you've got to go, something that you've got to achieve achieve and you will prioritize everything else in your life around making this vision come to pass so here's the question of the day is do you have a clear vision for your life do you you see unfortunately there are too many of us that what we do is just what the day hands us well tomorrow's monday i'll go to work i'll go to work because i need money because i don't have enough money not to go to work i don't have a vision i just have bills 
And some of us live our lives that way, and we do it day after day after day, holiday after holiday, got to go here, got to go there, got to do this thing, and then someday we're old and someday we're done. And we've, we've not figured out what God actually put us here to do and what he wants to do with us. You know, what are you trying to become? Who are you trying to be? Why are you doing the things that you do? Do you have a clear vision for your life? And if you do, is it one that you've made up for yourself or is it one that's from God? And so what I want to do today is, is help deal with what your answer might have been. If your answer was no or not sure, to either of those questions, that's what I want us to talk about because when people don't have vision, this is, this is very important. You see, when people live without vision, they live frustrated and fruitless lives. You maybe are there. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you some, know someone who is there or has been there. They live frustrated and fruitless lives when they don't wake up every day driven by a purpose for what God has for them. So I want to share with you two key things that the Bible tells us about vision. And the first one comes out of Proverbs that says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. And there's a slightly different wording in every version that you read. But what I like about this version is, is it doesn't leave out that word prophetic. A lot of the versions leave that out. And here's the thing. It's not just so much that where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint, but where there's no prophetic vision. What that means is from God. Okay, I don't want just a vision I don't want, you know, someone reading a crystal ball or someone looking on the box, uh, back of a box of Wheaties or something and coming up with a vision. I want something from God. And so the word prophetic vision there is telling us that it comes from God. And so when somebody has something from God, then, then they will not cast off restraint. Otherwise, they do. And this cast off restraint, what it means is this. You can do anything and you will do anything because you don't know what you're supposed to be doing. You cast off restraint. I don't have vision. Who cares? I'll just go there. Oh, that was boring. I'll just go there. Oh, that was no good. I'll do this. Well, I didn't pay enough money. I'll try that. When you don't have vision, you don't have any restraint. You're just whatever, wherever the wind blows, you go with that. One version of the Bible actually words it this. It's called the message, and it says, when people cannot see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. And it's a really good explanation for what you see when you go out into the world. And, and we have to be honest. It's also a really good explanation for what we see in our own lives sometimes. Because we don't know what God is doing. We don't stop and say, God, what are you doing? We don't ask the questions. Why do I work here? Why do I go through this pain? Why did I have that experience? Why do I live next to these people? Why am I in this situation praying for this thing? You see, when we ask those questions, we say, God, why am I here? What are you doing? Otherwise, it's like, let me just move away from these people. Let me get a job in another place. Let me get rid of this pain. I wish I didn't go through that experience. When we don't see what God is doing, we don't understand. We stumble all over ourselves. So the Bible tells us this. When you get that vision from God, write the vision. Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so that he may run who reads it. Write the vision. So when somebody actually says, oh, what, this is what God's told me to do, write it down so you can be focused on it and you can begin to do that. It says, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. God's going to speak something to you. It's not going to be easy at first. It's not going to be obvious at first. And if it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Get the vision. Write the vision. Run with the vision. 
This is what God would have us do. And so this is what I'm trying to do today for us as a church family while I'm helping to spark a journey for you to discover vision for your own life if you are not filled with vision yet or you're not exactly sure the answer to those questions. We do have a vision as a church and I want to to help us write that down, make it very clear so that we can run with that. And here's the reason. A church that's united around the clear vision is intentional and it is sacrificial. And because it is intentional and sacrificial, the result is that it will be powerful and fruitful. And I want to be a part of a church that's fruitful and making a difference in its city. I hope you do too. And so two questions that uh, I hope you're asking at this point, or you should be asking at this point if you're not, would be, okay, how do I get a vision for my life? And if I've got a vision, then how do I know it's actually from God, not something I made up? So I want to just go ahead and tell you, I can only scratch the surface of answering these two questions. Each question should be worthy of a message. Actually, I could do an entire series on each question. So I could take like these next few minutes and turn them into six weeks. I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to scratch the surface and you're going to have to go and pray with God and and, and unpack these questions for yourself. How do I get a vision for my life begins with this one. Walk with God. You can't do this on your own. You see, on your own, you can have a dream. I want to be in the NBA. There you go. It's a dream. But God's in charge of whether or not you grow past four foot three inches. You can't do this without God. Your dreams are just dreams. And you can get an earthly vision. There are lots of people who do not follow God with their lives. They do get a vision, and they set themselves on a course, and they become successful at what they're doing. But they might have missed something. Because, you see, God created you. And when he created you, it wasn't just to, look, here's a human. Let's go see what they do with themselves. No, no, he created you for a very specific purpose. And so you need to know what that is. You can only know what that is if you are walking with him, if you are pursuing him, if you are asking those questions. God, what do you have for me? And so we're going to try and help you figure out what God is doing in your life. We've created a devotional that goes along with it, something we don't normally do, by the way, a devotional that goes along with this series. Next week when you come in, we'll give one to every person. It'll give you something to pray through each day so that you can walk with God. Once you're walking with God, then you've got to walk with others. And and the reason is very, very simple. You need to be around other people who have a vision for their life from God. Or you need to be around people who are getting a vision for their lives from God. If you want to be good at basketball, you hang around basketball players, right? Y'all with me? You want to be good at basketball, you hang around basketball players. You want to be a good musician, you hang around musicians. If you want to have a godly vision for your life, you need to hang around people who have godly vision for their lives. You need to be with others. You get inspiration. That's always good. Look around. Oh, that's a good idea. Oh, look what they're doing. That works. That's something I might want to pray about. You get encouragement. And you get advice when your vision hits a roadblock. Let me promise you, your vision will hit a roadblock. God will tell you something for your life and the enemy is going to go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. If you started doing what God wants for you, you will make a difference and I don't like that. So let me show up and see if I can do anything at all to stop you from succeeding at that vision. So just as soon as you figure out what God has for you, life's going to get a little bit tough. You're going to hit roadblocks. And that's when you need other people to say, come on, we can do this. And they're praying with you and they're giving you advice and they're helping you figure out what to do when you're facing that resistance. So to help you walk with God, we created a devotional will also to help you walk with others. Again, something we don't normally do. We think this is important if you haven't figured that out. 
is we've created almost every one of our life groups centered around this topic. For the next six weeks, every life group that we have, at least almost every one of our life groups, will be doing this together. It'll be a Reach Our World group, as you see the Reach Our World stuff all around us. And, and so I want to encourage you to get into one of these groups. If you were here Wednesday night, you were able to choose a group. If you were not here Wednesday night, guess what? They're just now starting. No group has had its first meeting yet, so you haven't missed anything. You're not late. You're not the newcomer. Everybody's a newcomer. So go online today. Find a Reach Our World group. We've got them for men. We've got them for women. We've got them for couples. We've got them for families. We've got all different sorts. We've got them in different sides of the town and everything. So there you go. Third thing, start with who you are. Start with who you are. Again, God created you. And if he created you to achieve a vision, then he put inside of you what you need to do that vision. And too often we look in the mirror and say, there's, there's everything wrong with me. There's nothing good in here. I, I want to, to grow up and make a lot of money. I guess I just need to repent. Maybe not. The question is, what do you want to do with that money? There are some people that would never care. Other people want to grow up and write books. And they want to they influence people through writing books. So just the fact that you say, well, I want to make money, I guess that means I'm a selfish materialist. No, some people use money to do amazing things in God's kingdom. So start with what's in here and then figure out. God put it in here. Now, yes, we're not perfect people, right? Yes, there's corruption. Sometimes we, we take what God put in and, and it gets twisted a little bit. So I would encourage you to take that, pray about it, and ask God, why is this in me? the desires and the passions I have. What, what do you want to do with them? Why did you put them there? He's the one that made us. And the fourth point is to surrender. That's all I'm going to talk to you about next week, so I'm not going to touch on it again right now, but I'm just going to say this real simply. Until he is your king, you will never find the vision he has for you. As long as you are your king, you are doing your vision. And so come back next week. We'll talk a little bit more about that. So once you get a vision from God, once you go through those things and and I just encourage you, somebody asked me after the service out front, how do I do this? I'm really praying, we're really seeking God. We don't, we don't know really what comes next for us in life. I said, take these questions and begin to pray through them and do the devotional and go to a Reach Our World group and somewhere in the next six weeks, hopefully you're gonna have some answers that you don't have right now. And so once you begin to get that vision, you ask the question, how do I know if the vision for my life is actually from God? Here's the good news. This one is a, a little easier to just do a, a test. It's a little litmus test, just yes or no to a couple of, of points here. So the first point, if a vision is from God, God's vision is bigger than me. God's vision is bigger than you. When you're sitting around daydreaming and praying about what God wants to do with your life and you see something and the first thought you have is, oh, no, 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 no. I could never do that. People would think I'm, presumptuous and arrogant if I told him that's what God wants to do with me oh no 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 you might have actually heard from God because what happens is we get a vision and we say well God gave me a vision I'm going to go and do this I'm going to work really hard I'm going to put all my effort into it and I'm going to achieve it I'll promise you this if hard work and good planning and and all of that put together and your effort will achieve the vision that vision is not from God or it's not the whole vision you see, God shows you something that looks like this. And then we tend to go, oh, that's, I'm just being stupid. Who do I think I am? That's the enemy starts whispering, by the way. Who do I think I am? What do I think I can do? Let me just kind of bring that. Uh, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. I got that. If you've got it, it's not from him. Whatever he's going to give you is something that is huge that requires you to get on your knees and beg him to show up. 
Ephesians 3.20 tells us this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think. If you can think it and you think you can do it, it's not far abundantly beyond that. You need a God who's got to show up and do something miraculous in your life. And that is the vision that he has for your life. Because he has never, never said, well, I think I'll just create people and hope they succeed without me. He creates his children to succeed only with him. I mean, think about it. We're made in his image, right? People, parents, are any parents in the room? How many of you had a baby, set them on the front porch, said, call me when you're 12, hope you do well. I mean, we want to be in our kids' lives until the very last day, and we hope we're the ones that go first, right? That's what we have in mind. It comes from God. God creates us. He wants to be a part of that vision, and he makes sure that the true vision for your life, you can't do without him. You get on your knees and have to do it. One of the pieces of the vision that my wife and I have for our lives right now is to be completely debt-free, to pay off our mortgage by a certain age. Oh, I could do the payoff of my mortgage part. I mean, if I just pay the payments every month, I'm eventually going to achieve that one. So no, no, no. The vision is to pay it off and to be debt-free by a certain age. And I've done the math, and I've put it into a mortgage calculator. Dave Ramsey, right? And guess what? I'm not going to get there. <laughs> and even if I get a raise and get some bonuses, I plug that in, and I just did that for, for the new year, the new month, and I'm not going to get there. My vision I can't do on my own. God's vision, and I believe the, the age that God gave me is from him because I prayed about it. And, and the point to that is if I'm going to get there at that age, he's got to do something I can't do on my own every single month with a paycheck I can predict. And whatever the vision is in your life, you're going to look at it and say, well, I can take the first two steps, but beyond that, if God doesn't show up, I'm going to step off of something and fall down. That's the vision God has for you is when you can't do it on your own. Think about people like Moses. God gave him a vision for his life to lead his people, and he picked somebody who couldn't talk. <laughs> How funny is that? Don't worry, you got a brother. He can talk. You can use him. Think about Abraham. God said, I'm going to make you a nation, nations of nations. There's people. Your descendants are going to be huge. You're going to have so many of them. So that's why I picked you being 90 years old and a barren wife. Because God wants to give us a vision so that when it comes true, we can't take the, the credit. We can look and say, to the glory of God, this would have never happened without him. And if you can look back at your life and somebody says, man, how did you do that? And you've got a logical explanation for your good works, for everything you've done, you've lived a mediocre life. I don't care how good it is. If you don't have a story that says, well, let me tell you. You try to recreate this, you can't, because it was here, God showed up, I, I had nothing to do with it. It was here, God showed up, I had nothing to do with it. If you don't have those stories, you're missing something. That's what God has. Second, God's vision is always about people. God's vision is always about people. Have you heard this one before? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. God does everything through that heart. That's God's heart for his children. He does everything through that heart. And so if you say, I've got a vision for my life to travel the world and enjoy all the different things that are out there, I'd look at you and go, that's not a vision, it's a vacation. <laughs> it's a vision when you say, I want to travel the world and try all the new things out there and tell everybody about Jesus and all these new cultures. That's a vision. If it doesn't involve people, it's not a vision. It's just what you want to do for yourself. So whatever you have, 
Whatever vision God gives you, if you want to find out it's from him, ask one simple question. If this comes to pass, how will it change other people's lives for God? And if your answer is it won't, then that's not from God. Simple test. Number three, God's vision is compelling. God's vision is compelling. No person will ever have to sell you on what God wants for your life. The Holy Spirit will. Vision will grab your heart. It will captivate you. It will draw you in. And you will not be able to do anything else until it becomes a reality. It will not let you go and you will not be able to let go of it. That's what I want for each of us. I want each one of us to have a very clear vision of what God wants for our own lives. I don't want to be people who just wake up every day and say, well, guess I'll go to work because I just need money and I don't have enough to stay home. That's not a vision. A vision is when you say, God created me and put me on earth to do this. And that's going to be the meaning of my life. As a church, we know what our vision is. If you've heard our vision statement, it's pretty simple, but it's incredibly specific about what we think it means. It's to know God, love people, and reach our world. And we want every single person to be doing that in increasing measure. Every day, I want you to know God better, to love people more, and to reach your world with greater impact. And, and it's not just for those of us who are already here. You see, that goes to, we want that to be true for others. We actually want it to be true for as many others as possible. After all, it is what God told us to do. God gave us a little bit of vision for our own lives and as a church. You ever heard this one? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I taught you. I want you to go and tell other people how to know God and love people and reach their world. So before we close today, I want to share with you where we're headed as a church, the vision that God has given us. There is something very specific that I believe God has told us to do that comes next. So if you would turn your attention to the screen. and I serve on the G Kids nursery team and the prayer team. Grace Life has definitely changed my life, that's for sure. When you walk in here, there's just such a, a genuine feeling, you know, like everyone wants to be there and um, everyone is there for the same purpose. I moved from Wisconsin really broken still and um, I knew that I was looking for something different, something to fill a void in my heart that I didn't know how to fill. Went to the first step and um, started learning about how to get involved in everything. And um, I think once I started getting involved, that's where I really felt like I found my home. So Erica invited us to church, and then we met her husband, Gabriel, and we liked it. You know, we liked the service, and we kept going. And it got to the point where um, we, we started growing spiritually and we wanted more. And there was no, okay, well, we don't have to go to church. Or we were like, okay, when is, you know, when's the next service? And we kept coming. And we knew that we needed more than just us trying to do it on our own. I still had a past. She still had a past. And we knew that we wanted to involve God in our lives and our family, but it wasn't strong. It wasn't that strong faith. The preaching, the teaching, learning from it, growing from it, and seeing a difference. And now we pray together and finally got involved in the in life group. When we came here, we started volunteering for things. 
The more we come, the more we feel the need to serve. You know, it's for God, you know, just to be, be able to be part of serving for Him. Having God in our lives, loving God, our kids loving God and showing them. Setting the example, that's why like, we're going to this uh, life group now, is because it's about our kids, because they're the next generation too, passing on God's Word. And my name's uh, David German. I'm Maribel German. I just get excited over stuff like this. My name is Mia Front Johnson, and I serve on the Dream Team. I work security, and I lead a life group. I'm a mother, and I'm single, and everywhere I go, my children are in tow, so what could I do? I was like, Lord, I can't be the only mom that's overwhelmed and trying to do this, and then ladies started coming. It's good. We meet. We talk about the sermon, the things that we leave with. We use it throughout the week, and we come back with those aha moments like we got it. So it's, it's really good, and um, I'm, I'm glad that, that, that I'm leading this life group. I've invited soldiers to church, and being in the military, we instantaneously become family. It, it's important um, because somebody did it for me, and here I am. So it's paying it forward, advancing his kingdom. Those are just a few of the many stories of how God is changing people's lives here at Grace Life. This is an exciting season in the life of our church. Over the past five years, Grace Life has grown by an average of 33% each year. And because of that, we are at a pivotal point. We've had to rent multiple spaces in this warehouse park and now have expanded to three services on Sunday mornings. We're simply running out of space and times of the day. And the money we're putting into our rented facility is money we will never get back. On top of that, our location is hard to find and some are never going to consider coming to church in a warehouse park. Grace Life has a great legacy of seeing lives changed. And if we want to continue having this impact, I personally believe, and the leaders of Grace Life believe, God is calling us to take a crucial step, and that is to build our first permanent home. Our new building will be a highly visible and attractive facility on one of the most traveled roads in our city. It will enable us to reach our immediate Northeast community and launch other campuses throughout Columbia. It will give us more than double our current worship space with an expansion plan to triple that. It will give us great new children's facilities and everything will be under one roof. Here's a look at our new home. Our first permanent home will be an attractive and visible facility on Clemson Road which has a current traffic flow of over 20,000 cars daily. Our front parking lot will accommodate new guests with expanded parking behind our new facility. This green space next to our building allows for the future expansion of our auditorium and G-Kids spaces. As you approach Grace Life's entrance, you will see the life of the church extend outside its walls. There will be large open spaces for our blue and white tents and places to gather, meet with friends, and greet first-time guests.
As you enter the building, on your right will be our living room. This space will be Dream Team Central during weekend worship services and where we will host First Step and other small group meetings. As you walk down the concourse, you will see our G-Kids check-in station and a secure space for all children's classrooms. On your right, you will find our G-Kids K-5 room. This will be a large gathering space for kids to worship and learn with breakout rooms for small groups. Our G-Kids nurseries divide into multiple age and development appropriate rooms, each with video monitoring and child-only restrooms. For children of parents who serve on the Dream Team, our Jungle Room will give your kids a space to play and interact after attending one of their age-specific teaching times. Across the concourse is our new Worship Auditorium. This room will initially contain 450 seats, with a planned expansion to 650. This room will have upgraded technology to record and broadcast messages both online and to future campuses. Our first permanent home is designed to expand our impact, provide more community and gathering space, and increase our ability to reach Northeast Columbia by making room for those who do not yet know Jesus. We're excited about what God is doing in and through our family here at Grace Life. We're ready to take this next step as we reach our world together. Here's what I'm asking of each of us. First, be involved. As a church family, we're taking a spiritual journey together. This isn't just about money. It's about what God wants to do in us and through us. Second, pray. Ask God what he wants you and your family to do. And finally, give. This vision is far beyond the ability of any one person or even a select few. This is going to require each of us to give sacrificially above and beyond our normal giving. Why are we doing this? Because we know that what we invest here on earth is lost, but what we invest in God's kingdom is gained forever. So together, Let's be involved, let's pray, let's give, and we will reach our world. Who's excited about that? So we've tried to, to give you as much information as we can and, and do what the Bible says, write the vision down. So right now the ushers are going to pass out to you some brochures that have more information, answer some questions. So right now they're going to pass them down the rows. If you would, take one per family. 
Uh, that'll be enough to, to get all the information you need there. Also, while they're doing that, I want to point your attention to a website. Uh, it's our normal church website, but we've built some pages there that will help answer the questions. The video that you just saw is there if you need to share it with someone who was not able to be here today or maybe as a, a part of Grace Life, but uh, has moved on uh, thanks to the army or something like that, and you want to keep them informed of what we're doing, you can send them a link to that page as well. The reality is very simple. Uh, I believe this is a turning point in the life of our church. It's a building, and it's only a building, but this building is a tool, and it's a tool that we believe is necessary to continue the vision God has given us. If you heard the statistics in the video about how much we've grown, last year we started the year off in January with just over 325 people. This January, and we're still in January, we're already averaging 510 people. That's huge in one year. And so if you come to one of the other services, you may not even find a seat. So again, I want to thank you guys for coming to this service in particular and making room for others. And you may look around the room and say, well, we've still got a, a few more seats. We could grow by a little bit. But the amount of time that it takes to continue designing and actually build and move in is, is, is probably more like a year and a half away in a best case scenario. And if you think about that kind of growth over the last year, 18 months from now, we will have reached a point where we're telling people, sorry, there are no more seats. Try a later service. Try coming sooner. We're going to reach that point. It's inevitable. So the question is, how quickly can we do something? And how quickly can we get out of that situation and into what God has for us? This is a warehouse we've been renting for eight years, and we believe God has told us it's time to move out from behind the truck tires and into something that's more visible, maybe a little better looking. Give people a place to come and meet Jesus who haven't here in Columbia. It's what we know is that our ability to do our vision, which is to see more and more people come to know him, will be limited if we do not prepare for the future and make a change. That's what God has for us. Now I want to encourage you to find out what God has for you and what your part is. I want to close today by talking to those who this whole idea of vision is very confusing to you because you're not personally walking with God. You've asked yourself many times, is there actually a meaning or a purpose to life? You just go through the motions and you don't really know what comes next. You see, I said earlier, without God, you can't have vision for your life. And so that, of course, is going to begin with the point where you say, Jesus, you died for me. I want to live for you. If you've never made that declaration, if you're not living for God, then you clearly won't have a vision for him or for what he's doing. I want to help you do that right now if you've never done that. And it's not about something weird or standing up or coming down front or anything like that. It's just a conversation that you'll have with God for the rest of your life. And I just want to help you begin that conversation. So if you would, would you all just pray with me and say something like this to yourself and God. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your love, for your mercy, for your forgiveness. I thank you for your sacrifice on the cross so that I may have life. And my simple prayer today is that you would give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. 
Amen. Let's celebrate with those people. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gracelifeme and on Twitter at gracelifechurch.com.